And it's not surprising that the disciples were puzzled. You see, they had no category in which to place the idea of a Messiah that would die and rise again and send another helper. Uh, That wasn't in their dialogue. That wasn't in their thoughts at all. That wasn't in their understanding of the scriptures. That's Pastor Leighton Sheely, and this is a daily broadcast called Study Verse by Verse, and he's in the book of John in the New Testament, chapter 16, and we'll pick up uh, right around verse 19. If you want to open your Bible to the 16th chapter of the book of John, you'll be all ready for Pastor Leighton as he continues through this section of Scripture, verse by verse. We're on the web at studyversebyverse.com. That's studyversebyverse.com. Uh, They thought that the Messiah was going to come once and was going to destroy the enemies and establish the kingdom. Where for us, all is clear for them, it was a mystery. And you can imagine what some of the questions that went through their mind might have been. They might have been thinking things like, if Jesus is the Messiah and he wishes to establish his kingdom, why is he going away? And if he does not want to establish his kingdom, why is he coming back? So you can see why the disciples were confused. And the disciples then asked themselves what Jesus means by his words and linked them to something that he had said earlier about going to the Father. And they're particularly perplexed about the double use of the phrase a little while. And then in verse 19, there's, there's two ways to interpret or understand that verse. And one Understanding is that the knowledge that Jesus has was supernatural in source or divine in source. That, and we know from the scriptures there were many times that Jesus knew what people were thinking about before they, and, and, and responded to that. However, in this scenario, as it's described in the scriptures, the disciples weren't just thinking about these questions, they were talking about these questions, and Jesus was right there in their company. And so there's no need here, requirement here, to apply the assumption of divine knowledge. But Jesus has that, uh, that possibility. Verse 20, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You'll be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. Now, whenever Jesus uses the phrase, truly, truly, I say to you, it indicates that the words that are to follow are marked out as particularly important. And Jesus makes it clear that his followers are going to have a very difficult time as it appears their enemies triumph. Now the verb to lament or mourn, threneo, occurs only here in this gospel, but the verb to weep, klio, also occurs several other times in this gospel and always in connection with death. Now, at the time of Jesus' life, Jewish people and the people of the Greco-Roman world were in conflict. Rome had invaded Israel, and Israel resisted Roman occupation. But despite their mutual hatred toward one another and conflict, they had one thing that they could agree on, wanting Jesus dead. The Jewish leaders were concerned that Jesus was growing in popularity and their power and prestige was diminishing among the people and they were concerned they might lose their positions of comfort and prosperity. And the leaders of the Roman Empire was, were also concerned about Jesus' growing popularity and they were concerned that he might lead yet another revolt in a land that had a long history of bloody revolts. 
And when Jesus died, both celebrated the death. While his disciples were filled with grief and sadness, fear, and a sense of great personal loss. Now it is significant here that he does not speak of their sorrow as being replaced by joy, but rather of turning into joy. That the very same thing, the cross, would at first be to them a source of sorrow, but later a source of joy. And this corresponds with the illustration that follows. In in childbirth, what is first a source of pain then becomes a source of joy. The clause, your sorrow will turn into joy, refers to the, the transformation of attitude in the disciples when they see Jesus resurrected again. Now, I mentioned back at verse 16 that some scholars interpret the phrase, and again a little while, and you will see me, as referring to Jesus' second coming. However, D.A. Carson observes arguments that this joy refers to the ecstasy Christians will experience at the parousia, or second coming, necessarily presuppose that grief characterizes them throughout this age until Jesus returns. But that will not square with Jesus' promise of joy to his disciples throughout the Christian era, that promise made in chapter 15, verse 11, and still less with Jesus' report of the disciples' reactions when they saw the resurrected Christ. For chapter 20, verse 20 says, the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. So the point that D.A. Carson is trying to make here is that the only period, only the period between Jesus' death and resurrection was filled solely with mourning and grief as Jesus described it. And for that reason, he believes the interpretation of the phrase, and again a little while you will see me in verse 16, applies specifically to this period. But scholars differ in their interpretation. Great scholars. John MacArthur interprets verse 16 to apply to the coming of the Holy Spirit after Jesus ascended into heaven. John Corson believes that the interpretation applies to the time when we all get to heaven and our joy is complete. James Montgomery Boyce doesn't choose one interpretation over the others, but concludes that all three interpretations were intended by the author as evidenced by the intentional ambiguity of the statement. Now, this is uh, what we take home with us, that when the great scholars cannot agree on an interpretation of a biblical passage or position, that we should take that as a hint that discussion is better than dogmatism on the issue, whatever that issue might be. That discussion is better than dogmatism. Discussion encourages us to dig into God's Word for answers and stirs thoughtful consideration of God's Word. Whereas dogmatism encourages dissension and division, a behavior according to Proverbs 6 that God hates. It's better to discuss. Now Jesus provides this example of a singular event that at one time brings sorrow and and then brings joy and how appropriate that our study of this passage should coincide with Mother's Day, huh? Verse 21. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for the joy that a human being has been born into the world. Now, elsewhere in Scripture, the thought of a woman in labor is generally 
thought to bring out such thoughts as the suddenness or the inevitability of the birth of, of a child when the time has come. But here the thought is the contrast between the state of mind in the mother before versus after the birth of a child. Now, uh, just earlier, a few days ago, we celebrated the uh, five-month birthday, if you will, of my granddaughter, my first granddaughter, Chloe. Five months. She's already trying to uh, talk and trying to walk, and we're going to be enrolling her for college next year. So. I, I can remember um, that uh, we were so excited about her coming, and the doctor told us to, you know, aim for this date, expect on this date, and that date came and went. So I guess she was trying to let us know right from the get-go who was in charge. And uh, but that came, that date came and went. And a few days after that, uh, Dad Joey took Crystal in uh, to the doctor to, to see how things were, and the doctor says, "You're to go straight from here." to the delivery room right now. And they did. They went straight from there, straight to the delivery room. And, and we got the call, and we were outside. And, and uh, about an hour or two after Chloe was born, we got to go inside. And I know how uh, uncomfortable my daughter was uh, in just the last few weeks leading up to that. And I heard about how painful it was when she was in the delivery room. I think the entire neighborhood heard that. I'm sorry. I'm kidding. She's right here, so... Um, but uh, when I had a chance to go in the room just an hour or two after the delivery, uh, little Chloe was resting on her, and that place was filled with joy. Uh, what had been a source of pain became a source of joy. You know, I've heard it said that if uh, God had uh, designed it the other way around, uh, that men should deliver the baby that the human race would have died out a long time ago. (laughs) But uh, as painful as that experience was, it wasn't long before Joey and Crystal were talking about another baby. I've encouraged them for 20. And uh, (laughs) so Jesus follows this illustration with promises that provide comfort and encouragement. Verse 22, so also... You have sorrow now, but I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. And so Jesus is acknowledging this grief is in the present, and and like a woman who's about to give birth to a child, the disciples are going to experience sadness while Jesus is away. But when he returns, they're going to experience and rejoice in a way that is permanent, that, that is a way that no one can take it from them. Now, that's not to suggest that believers are never going to know sorrow. It's rather that After they come to know the significance of the cross, the joy that comes from that knowledge will never be taken away from them. Because it is at the cross and the resurrection that marks the beginning of a new era. The new era or the new age of the paraclete, the Holy Spirit and the church. It's the dawn of an age in which believers need not fear death and the grave. Because Jesus died and rose again and promises eternal life for all who believe. It's the dawn of an age in which the love of God is revealed in no uncertain terms because of the extent to which he was willing to go to redeem mankind from sin and destruction. It is the dawn of an age in which 
believers live in the presence and the power and the purpose of God because the Holy Spirit has been sent to indwell and guide and empower believers to fulfill the purposes for which they have been created. And we're still living in that age today. This is Study Verse by Verse with Pastor Leighton Sheely. He's in the book of John, and we'll continue on Monday at this same time in the book of John. I hope you can join us. If you'd like to listen to this broadcast again or perhaps share it with a friend, just uh, go to our website, studyversebyverse.com, or direct your friends there. And if you uh, want more information about the church and all of the ministries happening at Church of the Highlands, Look them up on the web at highlands.us. That's highlands.us. Thanks for joining us today. Have a great weekend. And be back on Monday when we'll once again open the Word of God and study verse by verse.